Hello, and welcome to Link Time Chat, episode 26. It says maybe. it right on the screen, doesn't it? I, you oh, know, it doesn't. You would have thought that maybe I would have prepared that, but I prepared a slideshow. And so like, I realized if you're listening to this, you're not going to see what David's talking about on the screen, but there will be a, a PDF of a keynote presentation available as a downloadable resource. And if you're watching this on the video, uh, then you get to see it. And so, um, yeah, if you're looking at it, then you know that today's topic is a Let's Talk Animals, colon, Fun with Fauna. Really? So, yes, this is the main title. That's the subtitle. Where's the colon? It's understood. It's implicit. Academic titles have colons between a title and subtitle. I see. I see. That's how we were how we roll and let me ask or if, how we crawl if we weren't in all caps which words which letters would be capitalized and which would not be capitalized well depends on what where you're publishing and where you're presenting in a lot of cases the main title so the l t and a from let's talk animals would mm -hmm. all be capitalized but then the subtitle only the initial f of fun would be capitalized because Blast it's a subtitle me. It depends. It really, you have to follow whatever guidelines they give you. I would not do that. I actually only capitalize the first letter of most titles. <laughs> and this is where David leaves. Okay, so I have crossed the line. Um, yeah, you are literally sitting back, body language, arms crossed. You are, you are so out of this from the capitalization. Let's just do this. Do it. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Oh, yes, because there is a, a very big fine. There's already a fine because the reason we're late is your fault. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to lay the blame on you for this being a week late. Okay. But you admit that it was your fault. No, no. I'm saying it's your fault. I'm trying to be nice. It wasn't my fault. Listen, I made today's entire presentation. Blame it on the rain. Oh, yes, it was the rain's yeah, fault. Yeah. I think it, it did rain yeah, sure last did. week. So we're good. Sure did. We can blame it. Thundered. We can blame it on and the there rain. Were stars. <laughs> oh, my. You need to warn a podcast before you do that because they may have their volume up and, like, now, I'm sorry. Now, here's the best part, though. Of course, if we were a real podcast with a fancy production team, they would just edit that out. In fact, the producer would say, all right, let's take that over, go back from this and one and three to one, and then we would just take it back. We would end up doing a bunch of retakes. And instead you get David sneezing with the echo of all of our instruments right behind us. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's we, great. We'd end up being one of those- it's a reverb. One of those people, I don't know, we've been in one of these situations where they're like, you know, today we're gonna talk, uh, let's talk, and you know what, I'm gonna retake that. Today, we're going to talk. Let's talk. You know what? I'm going to retake that. You know, have you, have you ever been with those people? No, I've never been one of those people. I'm more of a, let's no, do this live. Have you ever, have you ever done anything with one of those no. types? Oh, I do live things. I don't like it. Anyway, I don't like it. Anyway, we are, we are doing a thing on talk. Let's no, wait, let's redo this. We are doing a thing. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're talking animals today. We're having some fun with Fauna. Okay, so we're talking about animal names and I am providing a lot of examples and then I'm totally putting David on the spot to add more on the fly. I don't have any, so let's You're go. welcome. Yeah. Okay, 
of course, the first strategy that I'm just going to lay out there is you can make a basic root for it, but this is the least interesting strategy because it's like, if you have a basic root for the animal, what you're saying or insect or whatever it is, what you're saying is it's like so super common that they had to have a specific name for that because it was so, it was like such a big part of their environment, but like, there's not much to say other than some animal names are basic roots. Let's go to step 0.5. What we're going to be talking about is creating words for animals. That's the fun with fauna, right? I would hope so. Okay. Just thought I should state that. As a conlang podcast. I, I just thought I should state that. I, okay. Anyway. Okay. So make assuming, assuming you have some sort of environment in mind and there's animals around your speakers yeah. and they need names. Yeah. Um, one strategy is to make a basic root for it. Yeah. Um, how dare you embarrass me? I know, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to admit this freely since, uh, since very few people will hear this podcast. Uh, well, they'll eventually hear it in several months. We still haven't. And by we, I mean me, I still haven't put uh, season three podcasts up on me. That is embarrassing. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. So, um, I am guilty of having most of my animals be this. And in fact, if you were wondering why earlier today at dinner, I had so many, uh, so many tidbits about trout just at my fingertips. It was because I came across the high Valyrian word for trout, which is begor, which is just a root. It means trout. I love it. I mean, I don't- So that is one strategy. Yeah. That is one strategy, but there's it's, not much to say about it. It's not much to say about it. And it's probably not common. It so it depends because if okay. it again, if it is something common to daily life, then it is common because like what you will find is that it's like they trace it back and it's like, well, this just meant this. And I was finding that a lot um, as I was searching for examples, really? um, especially where it was just like you look at the etymology and the etymology means the animal name and you're like, oh, so there's not much to say about it other than it's just always meant that. And so, yeah, it does happen. But where you wouldn't expect it to happen is if they are introduced to new fauna, you know, like whether an animal is brought into the area by another group or whether the speakers go out into a new region where suddenly there are new animals and it's like things they've never seen before. They're not going to, to create a new root for it. They're going to create a word for it or a term or maybe use an old root where it's like if they move to a new area and there's like all of this animal, but none of this animal anymore, they may just be like, well, that looks close enough. We're just going to start calling it this. And then the old term is now obsolete for the old animals. So like, but you're going to do something to give a name to those things. And so we're going to be talking about um, some animal names and some fun places beyond just like, hey, there's a root for it. By the way, a folksy imagining of this was done by Mark Twain, who wrote a short story about uh, Adam and Eve and how, uh, you know, the way Twain writes it, Adam was just enjoying life. And then Eve came along and started uh, taking all of the animals that were around. She would pick one up and say, your name is going to be this. And she would write it down and give it a name and send it along. It he's needs like, names. He's like, why are you doing this? He's like, they need names. Yeah, they do. They need names. They do need names. I don't they agree with names. Adam. All right. So one strategy, if it's a common thing, give it a basic root. But if it's not common, or if it's something that it's like sort of on their periphery of existence or something new to them, let's talk new. Okay. 
So strategy two, this is, they need a new word. They could make an analogy to another animal. So in other words, like give one animal a name that's actually based on a description using the name of a common animal. And this would be a root, by the way, like the other animal will probably be a basic root because it's like, we have this common word. And so for example, now, of course, if you're following along on the, the uh, presentation, you're about to see Oh. I don't know if it's an angry looking hippo or a you are taking my picture hippo. It's a hippo that needs a big hug around his neck. But there are several hippos emerging from the water. Of course, hippo is short for hippopotamus. And the reason I'm using this particular example is that our word hippopotamus is, of course, borrowed because, um, you know, like where, where English was natively spoken, there were no hippos. Uh, and so the word is borrowed um, from Greek and it's from a compound literally meaning river horse. And so like, this is a loose connection because it's like when you look at a hippo, uh, it's not really a horse. They live in water. So you get the river part, right? So that makes sense. Um, but really the closest that they come to a horse is that they have a snout and like two not huge, yeah. not small ears. Um, and, and they're strong. Horses are strong. Uh, Hippos are strong. And so, but it's like, that's really the only connection. Are you looking at pictures of horses? No, I, I, um, I'll sh- I, I want to show you what this reminds me of. And I will show it on the podcast. Maybe Jesse can just share it. But what this reminds me of is maybe it was a joke on the part, part of the Greeks. It was kind of like the buff doge meme. Because... <laughs> It's like basically, you know, the the actual Shiba Inu there looks like a horse is the equivalent of a horse and a hippopotamus is a version of the buff doge there. So maybe they're like, you know, there's horse and river horse, the big horse. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like this was so popular, though, by the way, that like so many other languages were like, well, that's a good compound. And so they calced it. And so really Armenian. um, I know. I'm going to just do my best because I couldn't find pronunciations on all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so Armenian, something like Getaji, Danish Flothest, and Finnish Virtahepo all literally break down to mean river horse. Wow. And so, and these are like from different family, well, family branches from different families in the case of Finnish. Um, and and they, they took that idea. But again, none of them would have I really don't think any of these would have natively had a word (laughs) for hippo in their language. Uh, And so they were borrowing this idea of like, how do we talk about these animals? Oh, well, we'll do what the Greeks did and call it a river horse. Honestly, have none of these guys seen a pig? Like a pig is much closer to this thing than a no, horse. This sounds too big. Um, I don't know. It's I, like, well, obviously I think the you're closest thinking thing, bulk. The closest thing is a rhino, but they didn't have rhinos. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have hippos, they didn't have rhinos. And so that um, that's really unhelpful, David. Yeah, but I, I'd say pig is closer than horse. These things don't look anything like horses. Um, but that's really interesting because like, this is not the only example. I'm they didn't show have steroids you. either. So they wouldn't know about horses on steroids. This is not the only example I'm going to show you because later I'm going to randomly give some examples where it's like, oh, hey, and this was an analogy to another animal. Um, that happens actually quite a bit um, where it's like, it's obviously not a one-for-one match. And so that's really cool because it's like, as you're trying to think about like, well, what if they have this kind of animal or they encounter this you know, even if it's an earth animal, whatever it is, um, you can be creative in how you make these analogies. It doesn't have to be a direct, like obvious match. 
And so this is, I think, a, a good starting point where it's like the the match is not obvious, um, but it's close enough. <laughs> okay, David is just shaking his head. Like no. I just don't know what to think about early humans. Uh, sometimes they were pretty smart. But sometimes they seem pretty dumb. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't buy this. I don't buy this. I'm gonna. I mean, if you see this emerging, and all you have is like the concept of maybe a horse emerging from water. I don't this know. is like the student that did no work in your class the entire year and shows up the day of the final, and it's like an oral presentation. They were supposed to be working on it for weeks, and they're like, "Okay, so what is your word for this animal?" And they're like, "Check it, river." horse <laughs> and they're like fine i'll give you a c and they're like yes you know what if they had river cow i feel would be a better i feel like cow is a better than horse because then you get the bulk you get the ox really would be better but i don't know if they had ox yeah they had oxen either that or they just hated horses and thought they were really i don't know dumb I don't know. Well, whatever the reason, well, not dumb. I mean, they're strong. They're big. They're strong. They're clumsy water. Look, I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe this is also that I don't have a personal experience with hippopotamuses, but honestly, from the sounds of it, they didn't either. Well, we have more examples. We, we could stay here a while, it's but a wonderful David, animal is just inappropriately named. Let's hope I did a transition slide because I can't see what's coming next. Oh boy, here it comes. Strategy three. So maybe you're not going to make an analogy to another animal. Again, I'm going to give a couple random examples later because it's right. going to tie in with examples I'm giving. But strategy three is to say, what color is it? Hmm. And let's, let's name it by its color. Yeah. And so this one I did for David. <gasps> That's right. There's this cute beaver. Because David really likes beavers. And it's my so, favorite animal. That's right. And so here it is. And I found what I think is a really cute picture of one. And so really I, I wanted to, to showcase that. And so here we go. Beaver in English and in a lot of other languages, a lot of Indo-European languages, ultimately derives from a proto-Indo-European root, meaning brown. It just means brown. This might be coming somewhere later, but isn't that also the origin of the word for bear? It is. It's not coming later. I was just going to mention it that okay. like, actually it's the same root that through different applications and sound changes, beaver and bear actually come from the same PIE root. Yeah. And so they both mean brown. So it's literally something like the brown one um, is, is what you're going to be calling them. And as you can see, they are a lovely shade of brown, um, multiple lovely shades of brown. And so it was just like, hey, it's the brown one. I think if you're going to come up with a good name for a beaver, you could build it off the root for loyal because that's what beavers are. Well, other they're languages. Loyal, they're industrious. Shows different routes. They're charming. They're majestic. Fun side notes. Armenian's word is jushin. Sorry, I ruined that. But it breaks down into water dog. So this is an example where it's like, let's make an analogy to another animal. And they compared it to a dog and it's a water dog. Yeah. And so that's the word for beaver in Armenian. And Greek actually had um, like, so there are two different words for beaver in Greek. Really? Um, and one of them is kastoras because the other one was, was based on the, the brown root. 
But then the other one that I found was Kastaras and it is based on a root meaning wood. And that makes sense because that's like what they, they chew on. Yeah. And so, and also wood is brown. So I don't know, maybe it is still a brown play, but it could also be like, hey, we associate them with wood. Yeah. And so those are our beavers. Do you actually, like you say most of your words in your conlangs end up being roots. And so like, yeah. have you done any creative words for beaver since it's your favorite animal or have you just given it a root because you're like I have to have a word honestly I, I think that I only have a word for beaver in one language um, and that would be Meg Davy if I have it in another one it would be um, it would be Gieler, uh would just be uh, utilizing the noun classes but yeah I don't think that I have a word for beaver in anything else to be honest not even Dothraki but wouldn't Valerian have these little water animals? They're aquatic. They certainly would and could and should, but I don't think they do. Well, we need to rectify that. Yeah, I do. Here, uh, I'm gonna try to find it as I remember how to. Where is it? Where's the Where's the thing? I, it was just. I got drive. drive, and it should be in languages. Right? It, it should be here, shouldn't it? No, no, it it's shouldn't. In languages. It sh It should be here. No, in languages. There it is. Why is it on a subfile? Mm. Anyway, right. so David's looking. Now, mind you, I asked you of David before this podcast because I warned him what the topic was, but I didn't give him any of the examples. But I was like, hey, do you need your laptop over here? So that way you can look up examples. And he was like, no. No, I don't because I got my phone. As he's scrolling. Got, got my font loaded onto my phone. Well, I am very impressed. Are you looking for the English? Yeah. Okay, so he's scrolling still. Let's see made here. It, made it to the B section. There it is. What is it? Uh, fen. So let's see. Uh, fen, that's just, I know automatically that's the small mammal root. Uh, so let's see what Vesh is. Which, uh, and of course, this is in Gieler alphabetical order because I thought that was such a cool thing to do. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, where the heck That's is V? Tough. V is close to the beginning, I think. I R Angma. Can't you search? If searching is a pain in the butt on the iPhone version of Pages. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah, we're getting close. So David's still scrolling, but if you're looking at the power, no, it's not a PowerPoint, it's a keynote presentation. I need to get used to saying keynote. Um, if you're looking at it, just keep go. enjoying this beautiful little picture. It's kind of a large picture, actually. I wanted to okay. make sure it's as large as could be. So, oh, that's right. Vespel is tree. Oh, so it's a, a tree mammal. Yeah. Okay, so you did like a, a Greek kind of. Yeah, forest woods, tinder firewood, wood, branch, cigarette. Wow, really? This must be the only it's a tiny branch. This must be the only uh, language I've ever had a word for cigarette in. Something I do not partake in and do not condone. Um, but yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure that that would be the last language that I have a word for beaver in. Um, and and of course, immediately what I want to do is go create a high Valyrian word for beaver. Um, and I think it'd probably be based on rabbit, like a tooth rabbit. 
because they're more like rabbits than and dogs. Yeah. What about a water rabbit then? Or a tree huh. rabbit? Well, wood rabbit. We've, uh, I guess we, we've gotten this far, but the word for otter, uh, there's two words for otter in High Valyrian. One of them is ocean cat and the other is river cat. Oh, well, that's delightful. Yeah. I believe one moment, please, while you're, mm -hmm. that's right. Look at my next one. <gasps> yes. Oh. The next animal I was going to talk about was otter because um, looking at um, the water dog example specifically from Arminian. Oh, sorry. You uh, Do you want to keep going with this or do you want to hear the word for beaver? In High Valerian? In Dothraki. Dothraki. What is it? So this is, uh, it's just its own root. And the root is sale, sale. And this is because my beaver that I've had since I was three years old, I gave it a name when I was in kindergarten, when I was six years old. And that name was sale. That is very cute. And my mother said, do you mean Sally? And I said, no, sale. Nice. And so that's the word for beaver. And he, of course, by the way, means a stuffed animal. Yeah. He I does not have, have an actual pet. I just wanted I sure to point wish that I out. Did, but no, stuffed animals okay. still have it. Anyway, I'm but, sorry. So if you recall on the last slide, I mentioned Armenian has this word that means water dog. I was like, that makes me think of an otter. Mm -hmm. And so then I looked up origins for otter and I found a couple interesting ones. Um, and in ancient Greek, <laughs> the word was hudra, meaning water snake. <laughs> and so the word for otter in ancient Greek was water snake. Oh my God. That's actually hydra. That's what gives us hydra. That was the word for otter? otter. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. And um, most Indo-European forms of the word though uh, for otter come from um, just something simply meaning of the water. And That's so where it comes from in English. Yeah. Yeah. The word otter in English traces back to the Indo-European root meaning water. And like it essentially grammatically breaks down to just like thing of the water or of the water. Um, and so it's, you know, that association with where they live. And so that is definitely a strong association. Um, but in that cute little water. Yeah, I love them. Mm, so <laughs> adorable. Okay. So that that's all to say, those are some, some strategies. We've got like five more, have no fear. All right. Yeah. We, we've got more. And I will mention that uh, really quick in fourth and fifth grade. I think I've told you about this. But my teacher, Mrs. Jean Drum, she had a time where we read and it was called Otter Time. Otter stood for our time to enjoy reading. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Uh, so that's another etymology, our time to enjoy reading. <laughs> and of course, look, he looks like he's reading a book or getting ready to. Yes. It was, she so, actually had a picture of an otter who was holding a book <gasps> instead of a shell or a, or oh a rock. Well, that's just, just downright adorable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this was part of all part of random side notes on strategy, strategy. three, three two three <sighs> okay another example is donkey because the best guess of the word's origin for um, a lot of indo-european languages including english uh specifically this one traces english is that it means miniature dun horse where dun is a root meaning a brownish gray color and then it actually had two diminutive suffixes Ok and e, so it was donaki, and then that that shortened to donkey, mm -hmm. and so that is one that is the best guess. Like, unfortunately, a lot of these words are so old that it's really difficult. 
Um, and of course, then I looked up because in English, we can also say jackass, right? Mm-hmm. Which is specifically a male donkey, by the way. Yeah. Um, and that's because ass is another word for donkey coming from asinus in Latin, which was the word for donkey. And way back in Latin stages, like even earlier Latin stages, it was already a derogatory term for like a person. Mm. And so already that term was being applied um, to people, which I found interesting because it's like, not only did we borrow the word, but we also borrowed the, the derogatory form. Um, and then the Jack portion of it was the, like what made it male, like Jackrabbit. Yeah. Lumberjack. <laughs> and jackass. I don't know. Um, and so, so that was kind of interesting too, but like, so a lot of, um, what I found where a lot of the languages you could either see, um, the form donkey in it, or you could see, uh, that, um, asinus root in it. Um, the other ones, some of them, a lot of these where I was like super excited to chase down other origins they just ended up being donkey. Like that was the root. And I was like, Oh, Oh, really? (laughs) Because if it's a common enough animal again, but I did find some interesting things. So this one is based on color, which was a color association, but in other languages, Mm. dot, dot, dot strategy for you could come up with a name based on looks other than color. And for example, Chickasaw, literally means long ear. And so that's cool, right? Um, And this also associates, I know you have a word in High Valerian for donkey. Indeed. And it means? So there it comes, it's hunane, and it comes from two words, hunis, which means rabbit, and anne, which means horse. And so it's a rabbit horse referring to their ears. And so not only is it an analogy based on other animals too in this case but it's based on looks because Mm -hmm. it's it looks like a type of horse but it also has those long they very much are rabbit ears aren't they and i chose i knew that that was your word i'm gonna be honest so i specifically chose an image that really showcased those rabbit style ears because i mean this donkey is like such a rabbit horse yeah and you know what's funny is that the uh the two glyphs used to spell it in high valerian are the glyph for rabbit and the glyph for horse and when they're put together they look like, uh, you know how people do like a Halloween costume with a horse. <laughs> it's like and some, it's like, looks like somebody's the backside and somebody's the. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, okay. So you could like come up with a word based on color, but you could also think, you know, what does it look like other than, um, you know, like you could do animal analogies, but you could also like what features really stand out about it. And of course here the ears stand out. But you could also think about what items are they associated with? And in Dalmatian, which was an older, it was related to Romance languages, uh, Samur, that was the word in the language. It, it came from late Latin Sagmarius, which breaks down into a derived noun meaning thing with a saddle. Huh. And so it was a saddled animal. And so like that, that's another thing. It's like, if this is a useful animal to them that they associate it with a thing or an instrument, you could actually end up using the, the noun, that instrument, that thing as a name for the animal. It's kind of hilarious. It's like, what's that thing with a saddle? Uh, horse? No, the thing with the saddle. Horse. How could you think horse? Who would put a saddle on a horse? But listen, 
Donkeys were the pack animals. Horses you rode bareback for a long time. Saddles were a much later thing for riding, but but you loaded donkeys down. With it. Why would you put a saddle on it if you were going to load it? I feel like the early saddles were not riding saddles. Huh, okay. I may be wrong. I'm really just making this up as I go, okay. but it, it feels really right. Maybe they just liked to eat saddles. Oh, that would be really funny. <laughs> uh, they, they were named the saddle thing because it ate all the saddles in the barn. Yeah, always got a saddle in its mouth. <laughs> this one is obviously not a saddled donkey, but it's such a cute little donkey. It looks it like really a very is. furry donkey. It really is. It really needs to be petted and brushed and mm. hugged and loved. Amazing. Oh, so adorable. And it's, and again, if you're not looking at the image, it's in the mountains. It's like on a, on a hillside meadow in the mountains. Very furred donkey. It really is. Very scruffy donkey. Looks like he likes to be scratched. With beautiful rabbit ears. We mm -hmm. cannot we cannot stress that enough. Mm -hmm. So those are some more um, associations. I feel like I've flown through those examples. And yeah. like part of me is like, slow down. We have another half hour to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other part of me is, but you have more examples. And surely David will have something interesting to say. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> can never count on you mm. Nope. Mm. Mm -mm. so sad all right so another strategy is mm. think about how does it move yeah what does it do um and so here if i remember correctly on what slide is next <gasps> oh yes okay so i did this one first okay i forgot about that look at that sweet um, little baby so this is Obviously, you can tell from David's reaction, a raccoon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, I was going for, you know, solid images. And David wants to hug him. Mm -hmm. um, very, very cute little raccoon. Um, and the word in English was actually borrowed from an indigenous language, um, which I thought was actually a different language, but in the etymology was listed as a Powhatan word. Mm -hmm. I thought it came from a different, I thought it was like Algonquian or something. Okay. but I could have just misremembered that. Um, and it was like our version raccoon comes from a longer word that I know I'm going to mispronounce, but like something like something like that. Um, but it literally means, um, he, uh Oh, my little things in the way he scratches with something. Uh, uh -oh. do you happen to remember? I think it's he scratches with them, but oh my gosh, our little video panel is in the way. And yeah, you can't, you're done there. Why don't you just open it up on your, why don't you just open it up on your phone? Because that's going to, oh my gosh. No, 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 just look at it. This is going to take a minute. Meanwhile. What are you doing? Word for, well, I'm going to tell you. You're going to look up. He scratches with his hands. That is literally what it means. Okay. Yeah. The video panel was in the way on my screen. I don't know if it'll be in your way when you look at this, um, but it means he scratches with his hands. Um, and before you pull that up, because I know you're still looking, yeah. I want to give one more example okay. because the German word is washbear, washbach. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and so that one, I of course found delightful because it's that same idea. It's like, you know, because raccoons are, are often seen with their, their hands running over their faces. And so again, associated with a movement and in this case associated with another animal, which is like, he's like a little bear. Okay. 
What was your example that you pulled out? So uh, the word for raccoon in Trigida slang, of course, is snatcha. <gasps> like a little. Yeah. And oh at gosh. one point in time at, at, uh, at the old, at Klexica, I presented with a slide that was, you know, snatcha, no snatching. <laughs> that would be a fox, not a raccoon. It was a raccoon in this one. <gasps> was fox swipa? Swipa. It was no, no. Fox was Swappa. Yeah, let me, let me, let me double check. But I gotta. Oh my gosh! There was a word for yellow that was a uh, SpongeBob. No, oh my gosh! So many pop culture references. <laughs> this is fun. great. Yep, Fox is Swappa. That's amazing. Okay, so Snatcha and Swappa. Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, but of course, based on like movement associations um, and what they do. So you know, so thinking they, about what they do. So is that what is this kind of like where it comes from? They, they see them like you know cleaning themselves a lot. The the wash bear. Yeah, they look like a little bear, washing themselves. They do look like little bears. And the sentence, the that's the cutest darn raccoon that's ever existed. The earlier sentence, you know, um, he scratches with his hands is is obviously just a, a third person pronoun, just means scratch with hands. Um, so it does not make reference to another animal. It's just thing that scratches with mm -hmm. hands. Okay, so I thought those were rather cute. Some movement associations, though, are much more straightforward, and so they don't have to be, I almost said fun, but that sounds so rude, but they don't have to be things where it's like, oh, mm -hmm. it can also just be like, oh yeah, that's totally what they do. For instance, this beautiful bird, what does it do? That would be sound, not movement. Okay. <laughs> it flies. Okay, it flies. And I got this example from David. So he knew exactly where I was going um, because he's going to pronounce this Arabic word for me. Well, you, this was an IPA. All the others were in orthography. I should have just given you the Arabic. Uh, but Arabic uh, word for uh, bird is, uh, is qa'ir. And that comes from the verb for fly, which is tara, tara, long a. Uh. So uh, the 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 wasn't, if you're wondering, is ta, yeah, and then ra, um, and so then it disappears uh, in the you know in the in the past tense. So it's tara, and then results in a long aleph there. But that first one, it uh, that pattern is the same as just any agentive noun. So kataba is to write, katib is writer. So, you know, tara is to fly, ta'ir, bird, flyer. So literally just means flyer. Yep. And that's what they do. And they, they fly. Do. Hey, our insect, the fly, is also named for what it does. That it is. Fly. Uh, and it kind of makes me feel that Arabic is a more beautiful language than English because it's like, you know, flying is a very evocative notion. And so what is a flyer? Well, in Arabic, it's a bird, which is beautiful. And in English, it's a fly, which is just annoying. Beautiful in its own way. <laughs> but that's also interesting, though, because what you can know is that these these associations, here, you take it from here. Um, you know, like flying, especially the color associations like brown could be associated with so many different things. Um, and so it's like really kind of interesting um, how different languages attach those notions. And um, I don't know, I feel like that's really kind of cool that we, we end up getting like 
you know, a root essentially meaning fly becoming associated with um, such different creatures as an insect, um, you know, the fly and then a bird, um, which also flies, but it could also be like a bee or a gnat or a pterodactyl, anything else that flies. And now at this point, I'm just stalling until David gets back. So that way, Jesse, he... what sound does a bird make? <laughs> and so our next example, I had to wait till you sat back down so you could see the next example. Because some movement associations are kind of delightful. <laughs> and so, okay, so we're dealing with a cricket and I was like, listen, I don't want a picture of a cricket in the middle of my presentation. What's wrong with crickets? I do not like to look at them. And so I decided instead to pull up an image of the lucky cricket from Mulan. And so it's a cricket, but it's a very cute cartoon cricket. No, don't, don't. Hold on a sec. Well, I was looking for images of, to some try. Some of our viewers might not know what a cricket I looks think like. The lucky cricket is the best cricket you're ever going to see. You know, Jiminy is right here. No, I did look up Jiminy, but Jiminy looked too much like a grasshopper because of the green. Yeah, here we go. See, that's your God. standard cricket. That's oh, your God. standard cricket. And these guys, these guys are, let me tell you, they are lucky bugs, referencing Mulan. Let me tell you what happened to me in, gosh, was it 11th grade or 12th grade? Um, you know, it's going to kill me if I don't remember grade. this right. No, it was either 11th or 12th grade. But um, I was on um, America Online, as we all were at that time, mm -hmm. having a, a chat with various people, as we did at that time, because uh -huh. it's like we had the internet. No. Why wouldn't we be chatting? And um, anyway, I was chatting with this guy, Jake Abramson. He'll remember this. Um, and I turn around and I'm like, there's a cricket in the house. And he texts me back, kill it. And so I go uh, to the bookshelf and grab the largest book I can find, which was War and Peace at the time. And I drop it from a significant height directly onto the cricket. I pick up the book, cricket hops away. I was like, this is a magical animal. I will never do harm to a cricket again so long as I live. And I haven't. You better hope there's never a cricket in our house than I find. <laughs> anyway, um, the lucky cricket from Mulan. Now, this name, I will say that this little etymology is delightful because there's a romance root, which is um, grill. So it shows up in a lot of different languages and it's based on Latin grillus, mm -hmm. which is believed to be borrowed from ancient Greek grulos, meaning performer in an Egyptian dance, a comic figure or a caricature. And so oh. I like to think then that it was just this like they're bouncing around and it's delightful. And um, wow. so like a little dancer. Man, so I, I have to tell you, if you want to get, if you want to make your way into the lexicon, it pays to be an actor. I mean, we have cricket, we have uh, pants, you know? Yeah, sure. Those are the only two I got off the top of my head, but I'm that's, sure there are more. That's a lot. <laughs> um, so other languages though have different association for crickets. 
by using strategy number seven, Ooh. which is sound association. Mm. Going back to the <laughs> and so um, the word for cricket, including English's word, is uh, a lot of them are based on the sound they make. And so uh, brown crickets don't make sound, I should point out. Um, black crickets do. What are you the, talking about? Of course they do. No, the, the straight up brown crickets yes, don't they make do. sound. That's how we know they're in the house. Those are the black crickets, the darker crickets. They're, no, anyway. we don't have those type of crickets here. Okay. Well, I'm just saying the black crickets are the ones that make noises. And then the little brown crickets you use for fishing don't make noise. No, they absolutely do make noise. They absolutely do make noise, but seriously, Missouri, they don't. That's how you know they're in the house. No, we never because... knew when the brown crickets were in the house. We only knew when the black crickets were in the house. No, you know, the black crickets sang. See, because the no. brown crickets just jumped and scared you half to death. See, because they get trapped they in the house. Silent. They get trapped in the house, then they get panicky and they go, you know, me, 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 me. And it's like, okay. first of all, it, it's a horrible imitation. It, it is not because that's the sound they make. And then like, and then you, know, you goes, get up, <laughs> you get up to try to let these things out, but then they go silent. And it's like, I need to be able to find you to let you out, Cricket. Keep making your noise. Okay. Well, Missouri crickets are different than California crickets because the black crickets sing. They don't panic. They sing. Yeah, I wouldn't and call them. You find them I wouldn't because call of their singing. singing. Uh, regardless, Actually, though, it, it is a high-pitched. No, no, I'm not even going to pretend like there's a cricket in here. I'm not in here. I thought I out there. No. No. It's really silent out there. Um, and Slavic languages, by the way, have a root meaning to squeak that a lot of their languages, so a lot of the, the languages in the Slavic branch, um, have a root based on to squeak, including Polish. Um, how would you say that Polish? Okay. That was not the noise you were making. Um, okay. Schwierz. Oh no. Uh, Polish, the W's are pronounced like V's. And then the SZCZ is mm. uh, is the equivalent of the um, of the Russian, you know, show with the with the with the tooth or without the tooth. I don't know. And so then, um, and then the uh, S with a with a with a, with a little acute accent. There's just a version of sha. So Schwierz. Schwierz. Nice. Something like that. Mm. Okay, so brown crickets are quiet through to adulthood. I just played you their noise from Wikipedia. Um, oh, and the females are always quiet. Males make a chirping sound by rubbing their legs together. After they're adults. When they're not adults, they don't. It's because they don't have any life experience. They've got no stories to tell. Okay. Well, listen, all I know is that the black crickets make noise and the brown ones in Missouri were always silent. We never knew they were in the house. They just jumped and it was terrifying. Anyway, they jump for joy. I have to, that's why I wanted to have a cartoon cricket and think about <laughs> comic dancers. I want, I want it to be delightful. I'm not so delighted by crickets. Okay, so that's another thing. 
think about what noise they make and how you might have some sort of onomatopoeia. Um, as a side note, what's really funny. Um, okay, so there's just a, like a fun little story. One of my friend's kids, they were like, I think seven at the time. And there was a cricket in the house and um, it was making noise. And so the kid like goes to his mom and is like, why is, why is that cricket cricking? And she was like, what do you mean? It's like, it won't shut up. Why do they always have to be cricking? Because he really thought that crick was the verb for what sound they made. Mm -hmm. I thought that was rather cute. Cricking, mm -hmm. cricket. Anyway, but that is the origin. That is the origin. They're creaking. Okay. But you could also strategy eight, if mm -hmm. your world has a connection to some strong sense of mythology or folklore, you could actually end up getting animal names from that. And so I found a couple of examples here um, that I thought were kind of interesting, including another thing I did not want a picture of in my slideshow. And so I chose a cartoon image of a python wearing glasses. It's I, a python. I, I, I get that. I figured that you wouldn't be afraid of these things anymore since you've mastered them. I mean, anyway. I know what you've done. <laughs> I don't even know what you mean by that. I think you do. I do not. I think it involves a lawnmower. Oh, that was not a python. It was, it was a, a snake. It was a copperhead. It was a snake. What's the difference? Oh my God. So, okay. David is referencing a story and I apologize to any pacifists out there who are like, I will never harm an animal. Um, I'm terrified of snakes and copperheads are poisonous. And so when you come across them, um, they can be terrifying and I was in high school and I was mowing the yard with a, you know, push mower. So not like ride mower where you're, uh, you know, separated from the ground, you're pushing the mower, walking behind it. You were by yourself. I was also by myself. And, um, I, as I was mowing in front of right in front of me was a coiled up copperhead. And of course, if you know, snakes, you know, that coiled up means I'm ready to strike. And I, Oh, I, uh, just, uh, kind of closed my eyes and ran forward with the lawnmower. Um, needless to say that copperhead did not live to see another day. Um, and I quit mowing the lawn. <laughs> so the lawn looked a little funky for a while because I was afraid to go back out. I did go back out like the next day though, but I was wearing, I put on my dad's fishing tackle gear oh my goodness. with the hip waders oh and the big rubber boots. Cause yeah. I was like, there's a snake out here. It's going to attack a rubber boot. Oh my goodness. I was terrified. Wow. Oh my gosh. Cause when you see one copperhead, you're actually very likely to see another because quite often they they're growth, especially during mating season. Mm. Oh my. And so I was, I was prepared, but anyway, a Python, let's get back to pythons. Yeah. And I chose a very cute little cartoon Python with glasses. Um, and so I hope you all appreciate that. Um, with David's glasses, in fact, he doesn't have them on right now, but they're not yeah, glasses. Yeah, they are. Looks um, like he took them. I think he did. That's why you don't have them. Mm -hmm. Um, so our word in English actually comes from ancient Greek, puisson, which was, 
which was a huge serpent that Apollo slayed. And so this was, you know, a mythological serpent, but it was huge. And when, you know, speakers saw a python, they're like, well, this is the biggest snake I've ever seen. Must be um, that one Apollo slayed. And where did that name come from? Just make it up. No, I forgot. It came from something else. Gosh, it was actually like another word for Delphi or something, the location where it was. Oh. Um, because it was it was something about its connection to Delphi and the location of where the slaying happened. Oh, and they called it that because that location in Delphi resembled a snake. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, my gosh, the things I put up. I'm just the color commentator today. This is listen. <laughs> okay, so it's another fun thing. By oh, my, the way. oh, my God. It, the word in Pali. Ajagata is from Sanskrit and literally means goat swallower. Wow. And like, I feel like that's a bit of hyperbole because as large as pythons are, maybe a baby goat, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like that may be like, oh my God, these things are so huge. They could swallow a goat. And then that just became the name. Mm. Um, But I found that super fascinating. Just a little FYI. Yeah. See, these things are scary. (laughs) (laughs) which is why I put the cartoon one. I didn't want to be frightened in my own presentation. (laughs) Okay. I'm usually not that bad, by the way, but let me tell you when I'm scrolling Instagram and there's like snake pictures or spider pictures, I'm like, nope. (laughs) And I have to shut down the entire thing. Okay. Oh no. Oh no. Don't look, close your eyes, everybody. Something has happened. Did I think I forgot to delete a slide and I need to check? No, don't, don't you? You can look down here. Oh, that is. Okay, so I will delete this before I post it. This is so embarrassing. I left in my note slide. Okay. Where I was taking notes. Just go quickly. <laughs> okay. I saw everything. I saw everything. I know you did. Um, okay, okay. But this is the next animal. Um, and okay. So it is a turtle and I chose an underwater turtle, um, for reasons, which I'll get to in a moment, but there are definitely languages that treat underwater turtles differently from land turtles and give them different names. And so like, they actually treat them as different, um, you know, animals in terms of the naming situation. However, a lot of languages group them together just because even though they are above water or below water, they do have enough similarities that they just call them the same thing. And the reason I put it in this section was because I found out something new about our words turtle and tortoise, which actually come from the same source, by the way. Um, they come from the same root, which was originally from Latin tortuga, um, or the island of tortuga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the etymology, like, it's actually ultimately unknown, but like the theory is it's actually related to the underworld because turtles were uh, mythologically uh, connected to folklore about the underworld. Um, and so I put them in the water is this image because it was specifically like a lot of the underworld imagery were the underwater turtles. Um, there was an older English word and that was butling which was essentially like the, it was ling, which is like, right? Like the, like duckling where you get yeah. the diminutive. Um, but that bud came from the root board, which meant like board, plank or table. So like it was Whoa. a tabling. 
Oh my goodness. A little boardlet. How cute is that? Mm. And so um, that of course is association by looks, not an association to folklore or anything like that. But we ended up, um, you know, like shifting out that word uh, for this association that is a lot, like a lot of languages have it. It was hard for me to find a lot of other origins um, aside from, from that relation to something related to Tortuga. Um, which was interesting. Yeah. Or they just, again, have a root for it, which is like, well, okay, they have a root. Can you imagine if that, if it became, you know, boardling, we'd have, you know, room and boardling is like, you know, a little uh, play on words for, uh, for bed and breakfast, you know? <gasps> oh my gosh. Little turtles. We'd have little, little turtle butlers. That's amazing. All over the place. That is amazing. Oh, what about German? Wasn't it, uh, <gasps> let's talk about um oh and i have a typo here it should be afrikaans um mm -hmm. but i left the s off i'll fix that too when i delete my mystery slide mm -hmm. um but skilpat is an example of the shield toad compound that you find in a lot of germanic languages including german um where like the the word for turtle 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 um, actually breaks down to a compound meaning shield toad um, for its toad-like features, um, but having that, you know, the shell. Um, they, a lot of these languages, again, treat the underwater and land turtles um, the same. And so, but you don't have to, because other languages don't. The unfortunate thing, again, is like tracing down some of the, the cooler etymologies. It's either there's no sources on it, or it's like, oh, well, that origin meant turtle. <laughs> It's like, well, okay then. Um, there was another one, Bulgarian, which I put in IPA because um, I was having trouble with uh, the, the Cyrillic alphabet. Um, Costa Nurka, uh, Bulgarian, that word breaks down into bone diver because it's the hard shell and then it dives under the water. Oh, so I was imagining all of these stories about how like, you know, turtles went diving for bones and that, you know, you couldn't actually get rid of a body by throwing it in, a in the water because turtles would go and get it and bring them to your doorstep. That's what happens. You I mean, left these in my water. I mean, we could we could come up with all sorts of stories. I shall next go to the police. <laughs> I shall next go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a really cool one because again, a, a compound, very fun one. Wow. Very nice. And then oh, just for fun, um, there were some etymologies I couldn't like shove into places in the presentation, but that once I found information on them, I was like, oh, I need to talk about this. Um, and so I, I was looking up unicorn Yeah, yeah. and you know, where it come from obviously one horn. Yep. And in fact, a lot of languages, uh, that is exactly what the word means. Oh. It just translated into their own language, meaning one horn for a unicorn. However, in Albanian, the word is um, rikin, which means horn dog. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Not horned horse, but horn dog. That's terrible. <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. I, I that's, just That's on par with calling a hippo a horse. <laughs> I think it's actually worse. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk about David's favorite. Okay. Here we go. Now for David's favorite. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have to talk about the butterfly. 
Um, and so I found a couple of cool ones, but then I'm hoping you can build on it. First though, I was like, just kind of tracking down why we call it a butterfly in English, um, because it really does break down into the compound butter and fly. Like, it's not like it came from something that sounded similar to it. It's like, it literally breaks down into butter and fly. The reasons aren't entirely clear. Um, for some theories, it's because the color of the wings, like maybe, you know, the most common butterfly was like a cream color or butter color. And so they just called it a butterfly. But there is apparently also, there was a belief that they ate or stole butter and cream. And so there's actually, German actually has four words for butterfly, by the way. Okay. And I was like, what? Cause I had only ever heard of one, but there are German variants, Mulkendieb, which means way thief. Wow. And Butterlicker, which means butter liquor. I have not heard these. Okay. So those are two variants listed. It could also, though, be from the belief that they ate or stole. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I just read that. Oh, my gosh. So many typos. I need to delete that. You're all good. Other Germans, uh, German variants include Schmetterling. That's the which one I knew. Creamling. Yeah. Um, and Butterfugel, which means butterfowl. <laughs> and so, like, those, again, all kind of connect to, like, there's something to do with this butter and cream that they actually, like, either ate it or are associated with it. <laughs> Okay, so there's some variants, but it goes on. Mm -hmm. There's apparently also a belief that they excreted a butter-like substance. And so Dutch, boterschitter is literally butter shitter. Yeah, and then it would actually be boterschitter. Thank you. But um, my goodness, like, is that the current word? That was the word listed oh my in goodness. the translation. Oh, that's terrible. That's got to be the worst word for, for a butterfly <laughs> that exists. Okay, so there's that. Oh my goodness. Okay. However, there is also a theory that it's actually an ablauded form of the verb buto, meaning to beat for like the. Oh. And so there is a theory um, with the, the full form was actually beaten, uh, but there's a theory that there was this ablauded form buto. And that could also mean, you know, the, the association with movement there. Uh, the Pennsylvania German word for butterfly is fluttermouse, oh. which means fluttermouse. Yeah. And that word is typically associated with bat in other German languages, yeah. including German. And so like, I found that really cute though, that it was like, yeah, we're going to call that a fluttermouse. That's cute. And it's not very mouse-ish. Bat definitely is here. I'm looking, I'm looking Are up. Are you one. looking up? Yeah. Okay. Um, in French, papillon. 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 Comes from a root meaning to shake. And so that's the word for butterfly. It comes from, again, that movement association. In Russian, there's babochka, which means little grandmother from the belief that spirits of the dead live on as butterflies. Oh, I did not know that. And so I thought that was really pretty. Yeah, because babushka would be grandmother. Right. Which is another diminutive. How interesting. Huh. Oh, and that was the end of my slideshow. Done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm ready for David to give me things. <laughs> As I, uh, oh wait, no, I don't want to turn the camera away from you too, but I am going to fix a couple of things. Oh yeah, you go for it. Oh, right. Cause now it's just us. They can't see you doing this, can they? Oh no, they can totally, because I'm still sharing. Oh, I'm see. fixing it. I'm All fixing right. it, All everybody. Right, but, um,
And I need that turtle slide to disappear. I need you all to know yeah, so, that I fixed it. Yeah, that's right. They'll just pause it and get everything. Um, so the uh, the word for uh, uh, butterfly in Arabic now it's just us. that I knew was uh, farasha, and that farasha, and it comes from a root that has a whole bunch of other meanings associated with it. So there's moth and butterfly, but there's also brush, hmm. furnish, as into like you know lay out a place, furniture, mattress, bedding. And the idea is it was related to spreading out or laying mm. out. So, that's so the wings. Cool. Yeah, so, spread. and then, uh, so let's see. And then I don't know where mariposa comes from. That was actually when I meant to look up and I forgot until like literally as I was presenting this, I was like, oh shoot, I was gonna look up mariposa before I did this. Yes, let's take a look. Mariposa comes from <laughs> what how have i never looked this up in my entire life i don't know but we need to add this as a slide oh my goodness um, cool and you know what this is so important that i'm going to share the screen as i do this okay here we go okay i have duplicated and we have a Spanish mariposa. Go ahead. Maria. So it's from a, from a phrase, Maria posate, which uh, as they say here means, I guess it must be old fashioned means marry a light. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. It's also funny to me that this comes from a phrase with two words that are irregularly stressed, Maria and posate. And it results in a word that is regularly stressed, mariposa. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I don't know why butterflies have captured the imaginations of so many. Uh, for so long, but they have some of the most amazing words. Um, and on honestly, uh, maybe we can post a link to this. Um, if you want an incredible one in the first, um, I believe it was in the first AMA I did on Reddit, uh, somebody had asked me about or, or heard about that one of my favorite words was butterfly. And so then that, uh, the comments on that comment led to a whole bunch of people who spoke a whole bunch of different languages talking about their words for butterfly and where they came from. Um, and it is a real gold mine. Nice. So yeah, maybe we can Very post Yeah, we can really totally cool. post a link to that. Uh, that would be amazing. Yeah. But yeah, so all this is to say, like, again, like there are very good reasons to have, um, you know, like a really strong group of animal names that are just basic roots because they are going to be a really important part of your, you know, your con world, your speaker surroundings. And so um, that is a really good reason to have those basic roots. However, when you start expanding beyond those, uh, I hope you were able to take some inspiration. David's going to take a call. Yep, um, but I, we hope that you're able stay to, <laughs> yes, stay grammar and all that. Uh, we hope that you're able to take some inspiration from these different strategies that, that there are for naming animals. Uh, but as David says, stay grammar and uh, we can't wait to see you in the next live stream. And thank you for being patient with us as we took um, uh, an extra week to get this podcast out to you. Until next time. Bye.